Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Vito died eight years ago, Max. You were 12 years old sitting here oh, no, questions I, to him. I know I was 12 years old. I just don't remember doing this. <laughs> Is your dad named Max, too? Is your dad sending in uh, no. questions? God. Pino died eight years ago. Holy yeah. Yeah. God. It doesn't seem like it's been that long. I know. I know. It's. Uh, it feels like just a couple years ago. He was saying, uh, what's his face? He was going to win two, two or three Heisman trophies. Who? Fournette? No. Uh, the Notre Dame quarterback. Um, it was so long ago, I don't even remember who the Notre Dame quarterback's name is. Which tells Tommy. you he didn't win any, any Heismans. Yeah, he didn't win any. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he ended up... He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. Um, oh, Everett Golson? Good Lord, no. Uh, we have to go back even further. <laughs> remember the uh, remember the two weeks of Everett Golson to LSU? It was the... Yeah. Uh, Ron Powis. I don't even know who that is. See, Ron Paulus. He was a quarterback. It, ac- oh my God, Ron Paulus is my age. Looking at it right now. Ugh. He finished up with Akron and then Kansas. So he's probably one of the most famous high-profile busts. He wasn't terrible, but you know, he. When you're predicted to win two Heisman's, everything's a disappointment. I, I thought a few people were going to win two Heisman's, though. Like I thought, nah, they're, they're not going to do that ever again. The Archie Griffin thing is a—it's a one-time thing. Jameis Winston won, and I didn't think that there was a an a player of that caliber in 2014. Like I didn't think there was a challenger. It's a narrative award, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think I mean some people view that as a negative, but. It's who's the best story. Who's the best player who is also a good story. So right, but like this year they're just going to end up giving it to Kyle Trask, and that's boring. Yeah, but you know whatever. Like that's kind of the story of this year. This year is this year's bull. So they're just going to give out a Heisman to whoever they can think of one. This would be the year to give it to like Kyle Pitts. Let's be honest. No, they should give it to Devontae Smith. Yeah, give it to yeah Devontae Smith is good as an even better answer. But yeah, give it to someone interesting like. Break the quarterback thing. I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had at this point about receivers replacing running backs as the secondary Heisman position. Well, well, okay. Running backs were not the secondary Heisman position. They were the premier Heisman position for a very long time. Quarterbacks have kind of, I don't want to say just become, but it's fairly recent. I mean, we went through a period where running backs dominated the award. Yeah, well, that's that's that, that's all. That's all. Yeah, it's they, better now. But like, they weren't. That's uh, you know, there's something to be said for guys who rush like 
better. It's just different. It's different, right? That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, game change. Guys don't rush like they did anymore. But like Herschel Walker was, yo, of course. I mean, just amazing to watch. But even him, I mean, even then, there was a long. I mean, we're talking like Rasham Salam. You know, just guys who just dominated in college. Yeah, there was a time when Leonard Fournette looked like the reincarnation of Herschel Walker. And... <clears throat> Literally. I mean, one of those highlights is straight yeah. out of a Georgia highlight. And with that, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. I'm your host, Poser. We're waxing just a little philosophic about old Heisman winners and how much we miss Leonard Fournette. With me, as always, coaching us along, cursing silently into the night. <laughs> My producer, Chris. <laughs> That's fairly, ac- fairly accurate. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Just, what are you doing to me? <laughs> I, I just hope, you know, everyone appreciates how less of idiots you guys sound after I'm done editing each episode. I truly appreciate it. <laughs> that it is really hard work. And speaking of idiots, Max. <laughs> oh, come on. That was just way too easy. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was a softball teed right up there for you. So. I think it's a little, I think it's pretty fair. Um, yeah, we're running without the editor in chief tonight. So we'll pour one out for Zach. He had editorial duties. He did have editorial duties. Maybe he'll editorialize my 2,500 word thing that's going to drop tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Zach. Yeah, just how many typos can one man make? <laughs> it's pretty rough on him because my computer does a thing where it double types letters. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> oh, and no. I can't catch them all. Yeah, no, I I, I have broken fingers, so I, I always like just mishit keys, and it's always like kind of in the same places. Um or I know I will sometimes always capitalize the first two letters of words because I don't release the space the shift key fast enough because I have a broken pinky and it doesn't move fast enough. And I'm sure um, Zach has just begun to appreciate that podcast can pretty much give you stories of how many typos I can throw into a paragraph. It's really kind of impressive. I, I would not want to uh, just sift through all that. Yeah, and that's our peek behind the curtain. We have editors who are overworked and underpaid. Then again, so are we. So <laughs> you get paid. I definitely don't think I'm underpaid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, uh, let's not. Do, well, I'm not going to get into the SB Nation union thing, but considering the amount of content we pump out for SB Nation, how much money the company's worth. Yeah, we're all underpaid. Their whole business model is based on every team having a site. I mean, that's the and they don't that money doesn't trickle down. How about that? I know life is difficult, but on the flip side, our site has been a really good staging area for people to go on and have careers, and I'm pretty proud of that. Like, yeah, there's definitely two kinds of bloggers. I'm a lifer. I'm not doing this professionally. This is a this is a hobby. So anything I get out of it's beer money, and that's great. So, but there are people who have come, actually, you know, do work and hone their craft, and then go on and get hired by real outlets and get paid and do this for a living, and that's really cool. So, 
go us. Yeah, we're an incubator. And I have no segue into the Bama game. So let's just say it was terrible. <laughs> and I barely watched it. Hey, the high point that Max and I were, were chatting about before we started recording, we got to double digits in scoring. So Three scores. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It, it had been, uh, to what, two games at home that we had gone scoreless? Right, two games. So, yeah, whatever. It, look, the season should have ended with the AM game. That's when the season was supposed to end. I understand trying to limp through this zombie season to fulfill your TV contracts because that's how you get paid. I mean, that makes sense. But I don't know why we need to have games in December other than like the SEC championship game because it's not like you have fulfilled the contract. It's not like CBS would have been putting the stuff on anyway. You've earned your check. So – the fact that we're playing makeup, three makeup games, it's just ridiculous. Uh, there is no reason to play meaningless football games in a zombie season when we are literally losing a Pearl Harbor a day of people to COVID. That's how bad it's spiking right now. It's horrendous. It really is. It's like it's it's as bad or worse than March. Yeah, and like people today online were criticizing the Big Ten for – kind of saying, look, Ohio State's the best team. We all know they're the best team. They beat Indiana. We're going to put them in the Big Ten championship game. And people acting horrified by this. Like, we shouldn't be encouraging teams to cancel games right now. It boggles my mind. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you really got to give Penn State their fair shake at that, you uh, oh, they really got to earn it. They got to play all these games. Like, these, you know, we got to see if Ohio State gets beat by, like, I don't know, whoever. Yeah, it was the well, it was gonna be the big game. They're gonna play Michigan, but like Oh yeah, let's see if th- let's see if uh this Michigan team, let's see if they can spoil it. Uh, yeah, it was gonna be like the LSU Alabama game. It's Ohio State is gonna beat Michigan by a hundred points. And yeah, it's ridiculous. Michigan I mean, sorry, Michigan. Ohio State played Indiana and beat them. So the team you're screwing over technically I don't even want to call it screwing over, but this whole thing where they have to have six wins, like why? Who cares? It's an arbitrary rule they made up before the season. I know to prevent something like if a, one team went 2-0 and and then them claiming the title, but we don't have that situation. Ohio State is clearly the best team in the Big Ten. They beat Indiana head-to-head, put them in the Big Ten championship game. This is not hard. We should be making it easier for teams to cancel games for COVID-related reasons, not throwing up roadblocks. Yeah. Meanwhile, the SEC is rescheduling everything. This this game was only played to satiate Alabama's bloodlust. And so the SEC can say that every game got played so we can psychotically march our way through a schedule that no one cares about other than Alabama, Florida, and A&M at this point. I think that's why, though. I think it, it's so that no one can say when one of those two teams inevitably wins the national championship this year that they didn't deserve to, quote-unquote, because they didn't play enough games. That's totally what it is. They want to make sure Alabama gets all their games. They want to make sure Florida gets all their games because that's going to be who's in the SEC championship. And one of those two teams is going to play for the title. 
basically. But my thing is that they've played their big games. Like, Alabama played AM. They're going to play Florida. Like, did they really need to beat LSU by 40 points? Only, uh, because, only for the optics, right? They have yeah. to play the defending national champion and beat them because it's an optics thing totally. That's all it was. But I don't think there's any sentient person who watches college football who thinks of this LSU team right now as the defending national championship. That ship has sailed. It, this is unfortunately I, there's a lot of people watching college football who aren't sentient in that regard and right. and a lot yeah. of them reside in and around tuscaloosa and within the confines of the borders of the state of alabama so yeah i mean basically this is a mediocre football team that was playing the number one team in the country and the obvious happened i mean bama's basically killing everybody so yeah 38 i think is one of their bigger wins of the season but not by much. I mean, they're beating most teams by somewhere between three to five touchdowns. Yeah, but at the same time, like, who cares about yeah. any of it? Like, I, I honestly almost feel bad watching these games because it just, much more so than the NFL, college football is just a shell of itself. Are we really locking kids, you know, in their in their rooms in these facilities away from home for all this, like? God, if we are, that's even worse, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I, I just, I'm afraid of all the stuff that's going to come out from programs across the country about general misery, alongside the, the fact that these kids are actually getting sick. Yeah, because one of two things is true: either they're honoring every COVID related precaution and those kids are locked up in their room and basically suffering mental health trauma, you know, because they're, if you, particularly if you're a freshman, I think Zach von Rosenberg sent out a tweet today that really, when he said, Hey, the freshmen have had a really tough time and think about it. You go to campus, you're in a new place. You don't have any friends. You don't know the city and you're basically stuck in your room for three months and all you do is practice and go to online class. You have no outlets. You have no hobbies. You have nothing to do. You can't do anything. I mean, that is, that's a stressor on any human being. So if we're honoring the protocols, it's bad for the kids. And option two is they're not honoring the protocols and they're out, you know, partying and doing whatever the heck they want. And they're, you know, getting exposed to disease and that's bad. So either way, It's not healthy for these people who are playing the games that don't matter. Just let it go, people. Yeah, and they're, I mean, if they had these big fat contracts and a giant union. Yeah. But the thing is, the NFL, the NFL, they get to be home with their families. That's a completely different thing. I think the big thing is like last week when we talked about the game against A&M, how weird it felt to hear crowd noise. I hated it, yeah. Yeah, it just, it was unsettling. And, you know, it didn't make a difference in the game. This was not about that A&M could do whatever they want. I don't care. But it was, just as someone watching the game, it set me on edge, A, hearing that many people, but then seeing so many people close together. Like, it's like, can you not, like, look at a chart? (laughs) I think the answer to that is no for a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, and also, why are we? What point are we proving? Who are we proving it to? And yeah, I agree. Like, pro, I do think it's a lot different. Like, it's you know, totally different. It's, it's different. collective bargaining, and also that's their job. You know, you're going to go out and you're going to try and get your job done as much as you can. But 
to be having college sports right now, and I, I think the biggest difference is look at how we've treated the other college sports. You know, we shut down pretty much everything, even though the women's soccer tournament was pretty fun. Well, that's true. Yeah. It's pretty unjustifiable to be playing. And it's doing severe damage to people. It's doing severe damage to programs. At some point, like, these seasons really just need to end. We need to go to the conference championship games since they're basically decided. And whatever. I... Personally, I think they should just cancel it all, but... What I find disturbing is when they have... You see it on Twitter, but also national writers are saying this, like, hey, let's expand the playoffs. I'm like, no! What are you doing? Yeah, that's uh, and, more games. And also, if they were going to expand the playoffs, I would have been okay with that had they done that in place of all of these makeup games. Like, had they in mid-November said, okay, look, there's only eight maybe 12 teams who still care. They're just all going to play each other. Okay, we can make that work. But, and also we're still going to have, what, 30 bowl games? I can't believe there are bowl games. I, I don't, I have no energy for bowl games. I don't want bowl games. I don't want LSU to play in a bowl. Just make it end. And yeah. I know this is part of the perspective is, from an LSU standpoint, with there is no program in the country that needs this season to end more than LSU. But also just like ever like is Michigan State still interested in this season? Is Purdue, you know, is North Carolina, who's had a pretty decent season. I, I mean, I can't imagine anyone is still invested in this outside of Alabama, Florida, AM, Clemson, Notre Dame, okay, um, Cincinnati, Coastal. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, I do certainly feel bad that all these, a couple of Cinderella's had their dream seasons this year, but like, no, it's it, we get it. They, this this has to end. It yeah, nobody's it's... getting helped by it except for you know the pockets of universities that would be hit otherwise. But there are going to be significant costs down the road related to it. I think. Yeah, and that's the big thing. It's like we don't know the long-term effects of COVID. Like they're like, oh, well, you just got, you know, you got COVID and you didn't die. So everything was okay. Like that's a pretty low bar. Right. It's like, hey, you know, we exposed you to this disease that is filling hospitals across the planet. Um, you know, just so. And we, and we did it so we could make our athletic budget and you don't get paid. Because right. let's face it, the motivation is money. But I think at this point, the money motivation is gone. You have fulfilled your TV contracts, and that's where the money is. I think at this point, you can cancel the last two weeks, and ESPN's just got to eat it. Like, they got their inventory. They got a full season out of everybody. Yeah. It's – I, I don't I don't understand. And, you know, and that plays into the LSU football team – it seems that the players themselves want this to end as well. I mean, we've already had almost a dozen opt-outs since the season started on top of the 10 opt-outs we had before the season even started. And I think with Eric Gilbert, which I think is the big news, I don't even think it's about transferring at this point. I think the guy just doesn't want to play the rest of the season. 
I mean, if that's the case, one. Let him out. Yeah, one. I mean, totally let him out. But at the same time, like, I would be extremely pleased if that that ends up being the case. Because one, I don't blame him. I'd probably do the same. I agree. Two, it means he can go home, get his head right, you know, get back to some semblance of focus and health, which is obviously the utmost importance here. Um, and he can just stop wasting his time beating himself mentally in an obviously unhealthy situation, being locked on a dead campus away from anyone he's ever known, playing a sport that basically doesn't count. Or a season doesn't count. Yeah, like just right, right. let it end. And also, like, when you're in a bad situation, or like if you've ever had a job that was terrible – and you know, I had a terrible assignment. You could say, "Okay, well, I just need to make it to this date, and it'll end." You know, like because that's your commitment. I've committed to this stupid thing through Thanksgiving, and that's kind of what the LSU team had done. And what they've done is they got to the end date, which was when the season was supposed to end, and they've tacked on three more games. And on top of that, they're going to tack put on a bowl game. And now because you played those three games, you're not going to get time off for the practices before the bowl game. So you've just extended this miserable experience for the players for another month, which makes it this moving endpoint, which is even tougher for someone who's struggling mentally with basically being stuck in their dorm room the entire time. Right. There's no point in, you know, as I've seen a lot of people say, Oh, why can't you just finish the season and then get your head right then? I mean, that's in a month. A lot, yeah. of, you know, that's a lot of suffering can be done in a month, and for nothing, for and absolutely also, nothing. Yeah, it's 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 a month when it should have already be over. And I think that's what makes it harder because sometimes right. you're like, okay, if I can just make it to the end of November, I'll be done with this. And then they say, oh, by the way, you got to do December too. That can be a crushing blow to people who are struggling mentally. And I, look, I don't know if anyone is struggling mentally, but I'd be surprised if the freshmen aren't. And this isn't just Eric Gilbert. This is all of them. It is. There are a lot of things about playing big time college football that stink. It's a lot of work. It's a huge time commitment. It hurts. And, you know, there's all these sorts of demands placed on you. And also you're high profile. You get criticized in the media. Like you've never been criticized before. So these are, these are these terrible things, but normally they're balanced out by cool things. Like, you know, you're a big man on campus, you know, and, but the thing is you're not getting any of those good feedback things because you're tr- first off the team's losing. And once again, winning solves everything. But on top of that, you, you don't have an outlet. You, there's nothing else to do. You, you're missing out on the whole college experience, which is kind of the point of college football in the first place. So these kids, are having a much rougher adjustment than any freshman class, maybe in LSU history. And not even football players, just every freshman in college this year. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the whole thing with Gilbert seems to be homesickness. Um, And the thing, the fact of the matter is home right now is certainly a better alternative because you don't have, like you said, you don't have any of the unique cool things about, being a college football player, you don't get to play in front of a hundred thousand people screaming and cheering, you know. And yeah, and you don't get that moment where you go to class after a big game, 
And like everyone's like, hey, good game, Eric. Or, you know, you don't get to walk through the quad. And yeah, it can be annoying once you're a senior. But when you're a freshman, the first time that people are recognizing you, like total strangers, that's got to be kind of cool. Oh, it's got to be so cool. I mean, so, like, because you haven't, you haven't been a celebrity yet. I think with with recruiting, that's kind of changing. I think these kids are starting to become celebrities in high school, but not quite to the same degree. Yeah, because it's a much smaller pond. And also, you know the people who are pumping you up. It's it Unless you go to, like, some of the massive Texas high schools out there, you at least know by face everyone in your high school. At LSU, I mean, it's a city. I mean, there's... Yeah. I mean, what? How many undergrads go there? You know, 20,000, 30,000? We're talking absolute strangers will walk past you on the quad. And it's your first little bit of celebrity. And they're not getting that, and it makes it difficult, which also which gets us in to just the roster in general. There was an article today in 247 about looking at the – you know, roster management issues. I think they counted at 66 scholarships. I, I have a slightly different number, but let's just say it's right around there. The question is, is after this year, how many seniors stay? Because everybody gets their year of eligibility. You're going to bring in a recruiting class, hopefully of 25 people. How many people leave? Are you going to even have a full roster next year? I know you, our number will be 81 instead of 85 because of, probation but is LSU going to be short-staffed again next year I mean it looks it looks possible I think if they really start to hemorrhage transfers and and whatnot then they're obviously in dire straits at that point um do you think they're gonna hemorrhage transfers honestly no I mean the reports are all over the board at this point um so I think they're gonna lose I think they're gonna lose some people um but I th- think they're going to lose the p- the kinds of players that would normally transfer. Oh, yeah, the that's guys- your hope. Yeah, guys who just aren't getting playing time. Yeah, like, like this yeah. year they lost Donovan Campbell. Uh, I mean, he was an he was a backup offensive tack, you know, offensive guard, and hey, he got a ring. <laughs> right, I think people like uh, maybe people like Cardell Thomas, or you know, I don't know what Darren Evans on defense's eligibility is, but those kinds of guys might transfer, but. It, you might start to feel it with scholarships more than you normally would. Uh, but if you can keep a few guys around and you can keep the likes of Jacoby Stevens, who whose stock has just been set on fire this year. I don't know if he's coming back. I, there might be a point where you just cut your losses if you're Jacoby Stevens. Maybe. Um, but I think you got to re-recruit him. And you got to re-recruit yeah. guys like that. But like... I mean, I think what it is is like the offensive line. I mean, none of those guys are really um, pro prospects. But you've got some seniors on there. I, I mean, you have Liam Shanahan, who is a, a grad transfer. Uh, Deculus is a senior. And, okay, I guess those are only, you know, you're only two seniors there. But those are guys you, you kind of want to recommit to the team just so you have some depth. And also, yeah. I mean, they're starters. Or Ed Ingram. You might have to re-recruit him. I think he'll go pro, to be honest. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to get drafted highly. Yeah, but he was thinking about going pro last year, so. That's true. I mean, it's it's just, you just have to keep people around for numbers at this point. But if the these, you know, kind of ethereal rumors that have been reported about 
general dysfunction and loss of the locker room and whatnot. I mean, that's awfully hard to recover from, especially given all the other circumstances. Yeah, and I think that's the question is, has he lost the locker room or is that just people hitting the panic button? I mean, Eric Gilbert comes out and says, hey, I'm thinking about transferring. And then there's rumors about BJ Ojolari. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, everyone's gone. But no one's actually transferred yet. Well, I mean, I guess people had before. I mean, you, you lost what's his face to Arizona State, but um, Trevence yeah. Moore. Yeah, but I mean, he was buried on the depth chart. He was one of those kind right. of. Right. Yeah. He, he, he was the exact kind of transfer you expect. That happens to every program and will it, happen forever. So I agree. I think if, if, you, if you were to lose, you know, Gilbert and an Ojolari and you start to hemorrhage starters, you're you're done. You're yeah. you're taking on water to the point where you might have to just ditch the ship and jump on the life raft. And that that would be I, I will say that very rarely does a coach lose the locker room and then get it back. Right. So if if he's lost the locker room, it is over for Orgeron. It's just a matter of time before the axe falls. That said, I cannot say definitively right now he's lost the locker room. No, I can't say that at all, especially since Zach von Rosenberg is basically saying, hey, that hasn't happened. Yeah, and uh, he's our best insight into the locker room because he tweets a lot, and he tends to be a straight shooter. Um, I, I think what you're going to have, though, is this is a critical 6 to 12 months for the LSU program. Uh, they have not had a losing season since 1999. They're going to have one. Uh, and this is, I mean, this was a, I don't want to say it was a bad team, but, you know, let's just, it, at best it was a mediocre team, and it certainly didn't live up to expectations. And you look around, there is not a whole lot of difference makers right now, and you're hoping they stay on. Like, if there are guys you have to re-recruit and get them to buy back in. Um, you know, BJ Ojolari, I think, is number one on that list. Uh, seeing his name floated is terrifying. Uh, but also someone like Derek Stingley. And, you know, Derek Stingley doesn't talk a whole lot. He's a very quiet – he's definitely the Patrick Peterson type of just do your job and be awesome at it. But if Derek Stingley is not showing 100% buy-in, you're in trouble. Yeah, especially since he's kind of the guy at this point. Yeah, he is totally the guy. But also, you know, someone like Ali Gay came in as a JUCO. You need him to, you know, make. I don't know what is concerning is you haven't se- you haven't seen someone step up as the leader and say, okay, everything's cool, and you believe them. And the problem is the one guy you would believe, Terrace Marshall, who did have one of those meetings, then left. Right. And I'm not concerned about guys who really opt out for the NFL or even opt out to come back. But, like, I think if you are lo- – even, even with Gilbert, if you are losing people who are, you know, top five on your roster and talent due to homesickness or whatever it is, that's a serious problem. You cannot hemorrhage players like that. I seriously think it's almost like if Jamar Chase were to have transferred after his freshman year. Yeah, I – I think what you need out of this core group is I don't care what they do for the next two games. Anybody who needs to opt out these last two games, Godspeed. Do what you got to do to get through this year. It I would encourage matter. it. Yeah. I would, 
if you're a freshman, I, hell, I would even tell someone like, you know, Kayshawn Bouti, who hasn't made any noise whatsoever, hey, if you need some time, just take the next two weeks off. It's cool. But then if he says, hey, no, I'm going to play, even better. But I think your commitment has to be is you have to stop the bleeding and cut it off in 2020. So when that calendar flips to 2021, it is a fresh page. Right. And I think if I'm at Orgeron, at risk of being slightly ignorant of the minutia of the situation, and I'm meeting with Eric Gilbert, I'm telling him, look, I'm encouraging you to opt out of this season right now. Because clearly you aren't having fun, which is, of course, you know, number one, you aren't you aren't happy and you're not thriving. Um, go home, you know, be with your family, uh, potentially see a therapist or whatever you need, which I encourage for everybody, by the way. And just stay in touch. Yeah, let me know I know how I can help you. And I want and we need to make you know, I want to make sure that you feel at home here. And that you are mentally where you need to be. And this season is not helping you do that. So I encourage you to opt out. I encourage you to go home, be with friends and family, and, you know, come stay back, in touch. Come back for spring practice. Because I think – I forgot. Who was it that opted out and came back in? Where he said, hey, look, if you Neil need Farrell. time away. Yeah, Neil Farrell. It's like, hey, we'll we'll let you go. We'll come, And then we'll welcome you back when you need it. And, you know, Farrell wasn't even a freshman. So – I mean, he was a senior. Right. So I, I think there's way – I think this team what has been unable to admit that this has been practice season since basically week four. You know, the moment Brennan went down, it was all practice season. Right. And, and they've been unable to truly admit that. And I, I think a lot of pro- problems are stemming from putting too much importance on this season when it was clearly lost. And I know that makes everyone upset to say, oh my God, you can't write off a season. Why not? It, oh well, my God, why not? Because normally you can't write off a season, but you can certainly write off this season. Yes. And I think the 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 issues with the, the program, whatever is going wrong and whatever you need to fix, they will not be fixed by playing football games. Because yeah. they, they are not necessarily on the field. What's happening on the field is a byproduct of it, but yeah, right now, yeah, right now, LSU has just had a parade of bad luck and bad news, and more than anything, they just need to close the book on 2020. Right, and they need to, and they need to get back re-recruiting these players. Ed Ogeron needs to refocus on his job because I think, it's uh, yeah, I, yeah, he's had some off the field stuff. And look, going through a divorce is. It's a big deal in your life. And also, I think the players would have benefited from having a Mrs. Orgeron around this season. This is exactly the kind of year you need a Mrs. Coach. Yeah, especially for freshmen like Eric Gilbert, who's missing home. Yeah. I I mean, the coach's wife, that's a full-time job. Yeah, I mean, look at Dan Dan Mullen's wife. Uh, I mean, yeah, they – we will never know the amount of work they put into this program. But part of it is they have to, you know, they're the mom away from mom. And not having that figure on top of just the stress of going through a divorce, I do think Orgeron, and then, you know, Orgeron taking his victory lap, so let's, you know, throw other off-the-field stuff. He he has, he has definitely gotten distracted. It is time to recommit. 
Right. And and it's obvious. Yeah, it is obvious he's gotten distracted. I think he's got I think he got complacent, mm. uh, which is, you know, death. Totally agree. Yeah. That's why Nick Saban cannot enjoy anything. And Nick Saban's inability to feel joy and positive feelings is why he's such a great football coach. Yeah, it is his superpower. And yeah. it, it, the fact that it's it, it has poisoned his fan base and made them terrible fans who don't enjoy anything, like that guy who went to heaven in that Twilight Zone episode. Uh, <laughs> nice place, being a Bama fan is a nice place to visit. Yeah, right. no, I, yeah, I wouldn't want – I don't want that existence either. And if the problem is you celebrated your title too much, meh, okay. You know we what? Have to come back, or we, you'll burn. We, we've now done it three times. If you look at uh, LSU follow-up season to each of our national titles in the modern era, there's always been a significant dip the next season because we like a good party. Yeah, but the thing is, you this have to stop yeah. that short of letting you know dysfunction and toxicity become gangrenous to the point where you actually have to cut the leg off your program. No, I agree with that as well. Oh, Joe. But also, let's not ever lose sight of the fact that we should be. This is for fun, and we should be enjoying this stuff. So I don't ever want to be at the point where we're chastising people for celebrating wins or enjoying games. Or but, yeah, titles. beyond once you've reached a certain point past the title, I don't think it's enjoying it anymore, and I think it's just your program burning. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. It, it got, it went too far. But on the flip side. Orgeron did earn a little bit of a victory lap. He he had a lot of people who – he had more than his fair share of haters. How about that? Right, but now they're back. Yeah, th- no, they are. They're back with a vengeance because that's the thing is, as the drive-by truckers say, the secret to a happy ending is knowing when to roll the credits. Right, and it's – he's – he will – he needs to avoid he – need, he needs to put this back together quickly or – you know, his whole flip the script book is going to get, you know, yeah. pretty roasted on freezing cold takes. Yeah, it'll be uh, Lou Tepper's complete linebacking. And look, he gets a year. And Orgeron gets next season. And the seat will be hot next year. And if he proves it, then this was a one-year aberration where just a 2020 was a series of unfortunate events and, and just a perfect storm of bad luck. If he can't bounce back, He's lost the room, and it's time to move on. What does proving it next year look like, reasonably? Because we, we all know that there's that unreasonable yeah. section of the fan base that's going to expect another championship run. But what's a reasonable eight, eight wins next year? No, I think definitely more than eight wins. I think still think it's nine or ten wins. Okay. Yeah, and I don't even think it's just wins. It's how you look. Right. I what I, what I think it is is, yes, I think generally eight, nine, ten wins. But I think it is competence. I think it is control. I think it is direction. And of course it's recruiting. I think if you can I think if you kind of reestablish those things and you go eight and four next year, I will be very happy. Yeah, if they look like they're pointed in the right direction, go eight and four, I'm not gonna be upset. But you need control and you need confidence and you need It's not it's not likely that eight and four will save him. Right. Right, that's true, but I it's also possible. Think- I, I, yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you on the standpoint that I don't want to be committed to a hard line. This number of wins, it's more holistic than that. But I do think if you drop below eight wins, it's completely unacceptable. 
and I but but I think if he gets it under control, and I think if he finishes his class, like I I think if he finishes his recruiting class well, that's the best way for you to stop the bleeding. Agreed. You need uh, good news. You you need a positive news story. And, so, and once you stop the once once first thing you need to do is stop the bleeding. Once the bleeding is stopped, and he gets himself focused again, if that happens, I think LSU will be fine fairly quickly. Yeah, I'm there's still a lot of time. Confident of it, but I he Ed Ogeron has a history in his coaching career of kind of flying off the handle in terms of control of everything. And if that if that does happen again, I think LSU has to have a quicker hook than people would across the yeah. country would expect. Yeah, they they need a quick hook with them. But also, Ed Orgeron, particularly at LSU in this tenure, has been at his best when his back has been against the wall. Right. I mean, he did his best work after the Troy loss. This whole season is basically one big Troy loss. He yeah, needs to do how much dysfunction there was after that when it was like. Joe Oliva had to step in and say, you have to let Matt Canada run his offense. And he was watching film with him on Sundays instead of with Canada. Yeah. And a year and a half later, they were celebrating the greatest team ever. Right. So I, I, I think that's how quickly. Him, yeah, that's how quickly it can change. Calls to fire him today are horrendously premature. Uh, but if he, if the program is burning, which I do not think it is yet. I think if he hemorrhages a bunch of recruits and he loses a ton of people to transfers and it's clear that it's going off the you know off the rails that's a problem. But yeah, we'll find out in the next several months. Yeah, if there's a bad signing day, that changes everything. I don't think there's going to be a bad signing day. Right. And with that, let's go to the question bag. All right. So, Vinny Bartles starts us off by saying he didn't watch the Bama game. He played the New World of Warcraft expansion instead because that seemed like a lot more fun. Cyberpunk, 20, Cyberpunk 2077 comes out on Thursday. Give Vinny the elevator pitch as to why he should stop his weekend binge session of that game to watch LSU Florida. He shouldn't, other than the fact that it looks like Cyberpunk 2077 might suck. I'm not a gamer, but I've been seeing on Twitter a lot of people already complaining about it. So maybe just keep playing World of Warcraft. I, I think that's... Go outside. Or, well, alternately, if he, if he insists on continuing with the binge session, my thinking was, okay, so start playing Cyberpunk 2077. And if you learn rather quickly that these folks on Twitter are correct and it does suck, then you just switch back to World of Warcraft and continue on your merry way. A very good plan. But look, this game doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm not – there is no emotional investment. This is the same thing as Bama. Hey, it's better to win than lose, but – I have, I, I just don't care. Like it doesn't, this game does not matter. The season is lost and we just need this to end. It has no impact on the future viability of LSU. So if I had to right, there's a lot of, there is a lot that does have that, um, that does have bearing on the future viability, but it is not this. Right. I it's think, recruiting. Right. Hell, Ed Orgeron shouldn't come to the game. He should instead be out recruiting. Right, yeah. Let, uh, <laughs> let, let both be the head coach. Let's face oh. with this. But I think there are, the, if I had to make a case to continue watching these games, it's Kayshawn Boutte as the X receiver uh, because he kind of got that role against Alabama and looked pretty good. 
He does look good. Yeah, he looked really good. Not carrying the ball into the end zone, which is a fixable mistake. Yeah, like that's not long term. I mean, look, Tyron Matthew did it, so he's in good company. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I don't care about that at all. Like that was kind of funny. He looked great against Alabama. He did. So I, I, and again, I was, I remember saying after the Alabama game, I'm like, oh my God, Kayshawn Boutte's rise. LSU is going to be thrown to. Eric Gilbert and Kayshawn Boutte, this passing game is going to rule next year. Uh, so, you know, I may have old takes exposed myself on that one, but like. <laughs> hey, look, you know, Boutte looks great. So, like, just, yeah, keep it up. Keep eyes on him. Yeah, if you want to, like, scout for next year, that's what you're looking for. You're looking at what freshmen play really well. Also, if you haven't watched Florida, you should do so because Kyle Pitts is really fun. Yeah, he's a really good tight end. He'll, he'll... Yeah, he's He's getting plus the Kyle Pitts Jabril Cox matchup as a sequel to the Jabril Cox Jalen Weidermeyer matchup. I mean, Jabril Cox is kind of going to get cooked because it's Kyle Pitts. But he might make himself some money if he if right. he can hold Pitts to like fifty yards. That's that would be impressive. So there's there's some reasons to watch. I mean, watch Kyle Trask win a Heisman. Watch Kyle Pitts, you know, ball out. Watch Keishawn Butte develop. Watch maybe Jabril Cox make himself a bunch of money or. Right. Play video games. Either watch way. Eric, Gil- Eric Gilbert rise from the – I doubt he's going to play, but watch He's not rise. playing. He's not. He's not playing. I'm telling you, he's coming out of halftime. He's making 10 catches. <laughs> LSU wins. Write the movie. If he does that and it's like the water boy, you know, what if he comes back at halftime? That'd be that'd be funny. Like Adam Sandler sitting there. I'll enjoy that. moment in the history of college football, but like – well, let's, let's pull that back a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, that's be, not going to happen. Watch yeah. for – there are a couple reasons to watch. But if you have other things to do, you should do them. If you have family to spend time with, you should definitely do that. And even if that thing is just, I have a good book. Next question. <laughs> All right. Fearless Leader 7 asks, was LSU too good in 2019? No. Yeah, <laughs> no, just imploded after. So, so I don't need to read the rest of this. Is that yeah, what you're keep saying? Going, no. keep going. <laughs> if it were another ten and three team, would they be seven and three or six and four this season, with little to no opt outs and more retiring fourth year players? And he says, if so, I still take the natty every time. Of course. Yeah. Oh my god! Like that's that's yeah. yeah that's yeah. Would there be less opt outs had we not won the national title last year? Yes. And it would be in a meaningless nowhere season, and we would be going seven and three, and and who would care? And not so, have a championship to show for it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the natty. Flags fly forever. Okay, Jacob Hibbard wants to know: outside of third and seventeen, what was your favorite touchdown from twenty nineteen? I have a hard time picking between Clyde's last touchdown versus Bama, Joe's third touchdown pass to Jefferson versus OU, the touchdown pass to. Clyde before half versus Bama and Joe's first touchdown to Chase versus Clemson. For me, it was the Clyde spin move and then scoring the touchdown against Bama. That, yeah. That's that's what you just knew. I think it was you the knew. one he broke the when Trayvon Diggs went for the ball, you know, which I'm sure Nick Saban set him on fire for. But when he did that and really kind of iced the game. That was it, because at every point before that, I was 100% certain LSU was going to lose because I'd seen enough Alabama games. So, like, the touchdown to Clyde at halftime, which everybody says was their favorite moment, I it wasn't because I was like, I saw that happen. I'm like, great. It's it's 
this is just making what's going to happen so much worse because I had been I had been abused to that point. So it was the one when he really iced it. I'm like, oh my god, they actually did it. Uh, yeah, now that that Clyde spin move was just. Ugh. No, that was the one before. That yeah. was earlier. This was the yeah, one. no, yeah, no, Clyde. That was earlier. I, I mean, I, that spin move was yeah, the yeah, moment. That was- I, like that's when I was all in. I was like, we're we're winning this game, and, and because. LSU players had talked smack before about Alabama and it didn't show up on the field. This was, Oh, it's showing up on the field. They're doing this early on. They, they made the statement, but really they are all beautiful and they're like your children. You love all of them. You can't, you can't love one the most. <laughs> it's third and 17, third and 17. No, I, I, I actually take the one, the Clyde. Wait, no, the one that was not a, were these overall touchdowns or just yeah, just any? No, no, all overall touchdowns. Let's not. Yeah, because third and seventeen is my favorite. Burrow. Honestly, but... honestly, the Jamar Chase touchdown against Clemson really, when you know LSU was losing early in that game, when and then they bombed the ball down the field and Chase catches it, and that was the first moment where it seemed like LSU woke up in the championship game. Yeah, I wasn't no. sure. I wasn't sure if that was just an unsustainable big play. And that Clemson still kind of had him figure it out, or if it was the start of something. So I wasn't sure at that time. I really do think the uh, the one before half, the Thad Moss, like the yeah. way LSU would pour it on teams at the end of the second quarter was so, probably, in my opinion, the most fun thing about that team is it would just start to get bad in the second quarter, and they would score like four touchdowns in the last like four minutes of the second quarter, and it was a blowout. And like, that, that seems to so much be. Fun. You know, over the last 10 years, a recurring problem with LSU has been letting up scores in the final two to three minutes of the first half. I, and regardless of the defensive coordinator, the season, how good the defense is, that seems to just be a recurring problem, except for 2019. Yeah, they were the ones score Instead of giving one up, they were scoring like three. But yeah, that's that's something that has been bothering me for years. Heck, it raises, you know, it didn't matter, but that's something that happened in the Bama game. You had a, I don't want to say a close game, but at least it was a manageable game. And they let up two touchdowns in the final three and a half minutes of the first half, including right. with under a minute left. Okay, so let's mix our sports here. Jacob Hibbert has an interesting proposition and one that's not that original. I know it's been discussed before, right. but college football should adopt the premiership's system of relegation. Each Power Five conference has one or two Group of Five conferences that are connected to it. The bottom Power Five team is sent to the Group of Five, the best Group of Five moves up, and the second worst Power Five team plays the second best Group of Five team to stay in. Thoughts? First off, clearly suggestions from people who follow big clubs and not little clubs in European soccer. Um, Because... As someone who is a fan of a team that was relegated for 18 years, relegation sucks. It sucks a lot, and don't let anyone tell you differently. Because when it's it's all cool when it's somebody else getting relegated. Yeah, I've, I, yeah, I don't really watch European soccer, but I have heard relegation is quite cruel. Yeah, yeah, and I think the and other thing I think it would probably it wouldn't happen to LSU this. I year. I agree with that. Like, it wouldn't matter to LSU. Even this year, I think they'd be safe from relegation. Right, but it would be Vanderbilt. Um, But, like, that would mean, what, Cincinnati gets put in the Big Ten? I mean, that would be fine. But, like, the way conferences are structured and the difference in 
you know, culture and rules and everything between these conferences, it just they would never work. Yeah, the problem really comes down to is what happens is is you end up with a permanent overclass and a permanent underclass because the teams that are ping-ponging back can't sustain the budgets that the big teams can. So what would happen is the SEC, which is already fairly stratified, would become even more stratified. And because it's not just football, you're connect it's that's the revenue for all of the other sports it would start killing the other sports, even for schools that aren't great at football. Like Mississippi State, they might not be able to sustain their women's basketball program. Right. Because they weren't bringing in the money from SEC football. You know, Ole Miss, you know, might lose – we might lose SEC baseball. Like Vanderbilt and SEC and Ole Miss might might not be able to – and like those are the effects of relegation – through football, which would just be devastating the college sports. Right. So bad idea for college. Maybe do it for like the NFL or the MLS, but yeah, relegate teams to the XFL. <laughs> but they don't want to do that. They never want to lose the New York market. Because can you imagine if the Mets got relegated in Major League Baseball? Hey, wait a second. The Mets are never <laughs> horrendous. The Mets are never horrendous. They are yeah, eternally true. mediocre. So they would yeah. never go anywhere. That's true. <laughs> But not anymore because, you know, all my other teams besides LSU are on the upswing. So if I had to trade LSU football for losing the Wilpons, I'd have to think about that. But they've been the bane of my existence for my entire life. So, But yeah, relegation, I, I'm, I don't wax as uh, poetic about it in general. But if it were to work, it could not work in college sports. The it would just gut the smaller sports. Right. Okay, so Vinny Bartles asks, if your streaming service of choice said they would throw money at a 10-episode project of your choice, what would you have made? I think I'd do an animated series set in the Destiny, that's the video game, universe. I would adapt... I would adapt the... uh, I would adapt George R. R. Martin's Ice and Fire novellas, the Dunkin' Egg series. Oh, I would do. I would probably. Well, I would have to do the first one, but I would do. I would adopt or adapt the Hedge Knight for a ten episode series. Um, I would probably adapt House of Leaves, but instead of doing the full book, I would just make the Navidson record, which is the movie that does not exist within House of Leaves. I think you could make it a pretty exciting. I don't think you need ten episodes, but I think you could make an exciting four or five episode arc, just of the Navidson record, which is a house that has basically a labyrinth inside of it because it's bigger on the inside than the outside. Yeah, I'd probably go with that. Or I would love to see something one of the Ed Brubaker uh, crime comics turned into a movie or a limited series, something like Fatale or Criminal. I think that would work. Sleeper, I think that was in production, but never happened. So I think that would be pretty cool. Ed Brubaker is great. Well, you know, for me, I'm I'm pretty much already getting one of those in The Mandalorian, the best live-action thing to come out of the Star Wars universe since The Empire Strikes Back. And we've got the Jack Reacher series in production. Well, I mean, I don't know where it is now with all the COVID stuff, but I'm looking forward to that. We're doing... uh, Jack Carr's The Terminal List. That that was it's an excellent book. If you need some uh, holiday reading, I highly recommend 
uh, all three books in his James Reese series. So that's coming out with Chris Pratt playing the lead sometime next year from Amazon, I believe. So I'm pretty well set with you know, dream projects coming out in real life. Go. If I had you know something that isn't in production or, or soon to be, the thing that I would like to do years and years ago when we were younger than Max's now, I think it was at ABC. One of the major networks did Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles as a miniseries. Oh, yeah. And I'd, I'd love to see that revisited now with all the improved, you know, technology we have for CGI and special effects and even practical effects. I think that's a great story that could be brought to new generations. Because, yeah, because Ray Bradbury used to have the Ray Bradbury Theater. Yeah. You know, they did all the stories, but also like Something Wicked This Way Comes was a movie. Right. The Illustrated Man, I think it was as well. I think you could extend those out to be miniseries. Right. A lot of stuff that gets, gets, ends up getting made into a movie off of a, a book or, or story, a lot of times is better, better yeah, presented think, in a long form, long form format. Yeah, say that 10 times real fast. For, yeah, because for a movie. With Bradbury, with Bradbury, because his books were basically a bunch of short stories that were hung together on the same motif. Yeah. So the Martian Chronicles isn't really a novel. It's, you know, 15 short stories right. about going to Mars. Yeah. So yeah, that would work great as a miniseries because honestly, it'd be like something like from the earth to the moon, only fictional mm-hmm. where you'd have different characters in almost every episode. You wouldn't have one. You would probably invent a character that hung it together. Yeah. You need a thread to tie it all together. But sort of like the illustrated, that's why the illustrated man would work. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, Ray Bradbury would be a really good one to readapt. He hasn't had anything in years. So Fearless I mean, Leader pipes up again. And he wants to know, are we about to be Tennessee from 1999 to the present? Maybe. Probably not. I mean, I'd. you don't want to rule anything out because anything can happen in college football, but the chances are not good that that's the path we're on let's play everyone has had a losing season in this century in the sec except for us so it's our turn like even alabama has had a losing season in this century but also if you think about just from a level of success florida has not won an sec championship since anyone oh eight oh eight no. 2008. They haven't, I mean, that's 12 years. And we still think of Florida as an elite program. So my point is, is, it's more likely that we're on the road to becoming Florida than it is that we're becoming Tennessee. Oh, that sucked, though. Oh, yeah. Man, it must be frustrating right now to be Florida. Well, hold on. I do want a Dan Mullen. I, I think they should offer... If they have to make coaching change, I think if it is in a time when the budget's in better shape, I think you give Dan Mullen like infinity dollars. Yeah, he won't leave, but like you kick yeah. the tires. He's your first. I love Dan Mullen. I thought he did a great job at Mississippi State. He and... did. Mississippi State is not good. They and they are not a program with the resources to be that good. And he yeah, what it. what he did year in year out at an almost unwinnable job. Is really remarkable, and it it's kind of surprising it took him so long to get a job. I mean, yeah, to... I mean, I, I I I don't want to say he liked it there because it's Starkville, Mississippi, but like, 
He might he might have. Yeah. Um, I think but yes, I, I think for Mullen it was all about waiting for the right job to come along. I think it was. Man, the patience on that guy. Really? Yeah. Well done. Yeah. And I think that's what coaches should do. I think Matt Campbell should not take the Texas job. Considering eh, Texas oh, like, on, on one hand, I was so sure Tom Herman was going to pan out that I'm actually actively scared for whoever takes that job. Yeah, that's kind of my thing. Is Tom Herman was a perfect fit. And the fact that that didn't work makes me feel that the problems at Texas go beyond just a coach. And short of getting like Urban Meyer, who I think is good for a very short period of time, and then you get rid of him or he gets rid of you, I don't know a coach out there that Texas – can hire and have it work right now. I just don't know what's wrong. Like if I'm a, a coach like Matt Campbell, I'm looking at the Texas job going, I'm not sure I want that. Yeah. So if I'm, it, it kind of goes back to what I've said about quarterbacks when I was having my meltdown that I'm still having about Joe Burrow uh, and his knee injury is I think you really need to be selective about these kinds of things because some things happen that are out of your control that doom you. And I think a lot of people are very confident in their own ability. They're like, I can do this. Of course they are. That's why they're top-notch coaches. Right. And I think sometimes, not necessarily just humility, but I think a lot of times some recognition of your of your the- personal somewhat insignificance in some other things is warranted. And I think that's what got Dan Mullen such a great job. But the problem, at the on the other hand, is this is a bad market for coaches, not just because of COVID and everything, but in terms of the guys who are available, there is no Kirby Smart. There is no Dan Mullen, who I think are slam dunks. I think, like, Matt Campbell's really good, but he hasn't recruited at a ridiculous level. He's just developed. Yeah, that makes you – he's very Herman in that sense. You kind of worry. You're saying, hey, he can recruit, but – I mean, he can coach, but can he recruit? And this is this is a recruiting job. But, like, also, if you're a top-tier coach and you're like, okay, what job can I take? Let's compare LSU to Texas. Texas is kind of a terrifying job. If you look at it long-term, they have not won the kind of titles that you think they've won. Like, Daryl Royal was awesome in the 60s, but he won two titles in the 60s. And since then, they have the one that Mac Brown won. And Mac Brown had that string of, like, 10 years where Texas, year in, year out, won 10 games. Outside of that, they have not been a consistent – I mean, they've been a consistent winner, but not a consistent great team or even a very good team. I mean – Fred Akers, I mean, he he was good, but he wasn't great. Dave McWilliams was a disaster. Makovic was a disaster. Then you have Mac Brown, who was great. Charlie Strong, a disaster. Tom Herman, he was okay. I think it's that Texas doesn't know. I, I think they think that that job is better than it is because history has shown it's hard to win there at the level they think they can win. Meanwhile, here at LSU – Lowly LSU, which everyone kind of dumps on as a second-tier program. I mean, when we're talking about the elites, three different coaches have now won, in a row, have now won a national championship. Right, and I think if if Ed Ogeron really has 
hemorrhage the program and really ends up hemorrhaging the program, I think you can basically say, like, look, we've won three national championships, one with a guy who went to Kansas and fell off the planet, another with a guy who fell apart. So you can win here. Yeah. There is a a significant margin margin for error that exists at LSU in terms of – not in terms of performance and keeping your job, but in terms of winning and what – and having the infrastructure to win, I think it's easier. It's so much easier to win here demonstrably than it is at Texas. But yeah, like since in 2009, Mac Brown, you know, went to the BCS championship game. They lost. They went 13 and one. Since then, they've had one season in which they've won 10 games. And that was Herman's first. Right. They lost four. Yeah. I, I mean, the level of success between LSU and Texas in the past. 10, not even just 10 years, but 10 years to 50 years, basically since Daryl Royal retired, I think LSU is actually ahead of Texas because as much as we think of Texas's domination, the SWC, they didn't dominate it in the 80s and the 90s because A&M was winning it. Right. And then they get to the Big 12 and Oklahoma wins it every year. Or Nebraska at first. So, I don't know. I'm just... I'm not saying Texas is a bad job. Obviously, it's a great job. It's one of the most high-profile jobs in the country. But if I'm Matt Campbell and they offer me both the LSU job and the Texas job for the same amount of money, I would take the LSU job. I think it's a better job. Yeah, it's 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 significantly easier to recruit, and you don't have to coach against your old players, which I feel like kind of sucks. Yeah. Now, the, the thing is, LSU probably – unless the title nine report comes out completely pinning everything on Ed Orgeron, they're not going to be in the market for a coach right now. And Texas is so right. That's, and, not, it, that's not a fair comp. Cause I think LSU is going to be punting till next year. And then they're going to say, okay, who is it? We want. Yeah. And it really is too early to kind of gauge next year's market. I will say if they are in that position, I think they should shoot big, not, Hiring a Jimbo Fisher, but the comparison I will make is poaching a guy who everyone thinks is good, even if he – well, Jimbo kind of isn't, but you know what I mean? And like making a high upside, high floor hire as best you can. Like I don't think you can necessarily go to the group of five and get the best guy there and expect that to necessarily pan out because that's kind of a coin flip. Well, I think that that's where you get run into the problem. Is like you're running out of coaches like that because outside of the Pac-12, which we'll put aside for a second, every conference is sort of dominated by one team now. Right. I mean, I mean Oklahoma's won the last five Big 12 titles. Okay, they're not going to win it this year, but it's a weird year, and they're going to go back to winning it next year. Ohio State has won the last three Big 10 titles, and unless your common sense doesn't prevail, they're going to win four straight. Clemson, I think, has won five straight ACC titles. I mean, who's the number two program in those conferences that you could poach? Yeah, that's the problem. And you could also go the Kirby Smart direction and try to get an established coordinator from somewhere, like maybe a Dan Lanning. Um, Not to be your head coach. I mean, honestly, you think about it, the best name available would probably be Tom Herman. You know, I was thinking about that earlier today in a DM with somebody and they got mad at me and said, what are you talking about? I was like, you know what? No, I think I might be right. 
I think Tom Herman might be a decent hire. Of course, Luke Fickle had a lot of experience at Ohio State, so that almost kind of counts. Andy, we know he can recruit at a ridiculous level um, to Cincinnati and is a really good coach. So if I had to pick right now, it's Luke Fickle. If if I can't have Matt Campbell, which honestly I might even pick Fickle over Campbell because of recruiting. But next year, I mean, I don't know if Fickle's still going to be there. He might be. He's turned down jobs before. Yeah, and that's, you know, you look at it, I don't know who who's a high-profile coach who would even think about moving. The list is really short because there's not a number two team anywhere to poach. You know, because if Miami sustains, yeah, you could take Manny Diaz. I think that's about, but I think you, you don't have to go very long down the list. If you're looking next year, I think you can't hire him right now, obviously. Right. But if you're saying a year from now, I don't think you go too far down your list before your finger ends up on calling Tom Herman, at least calling him. I agree. And, and, and people will hate it, but Tom Herman is a good coach. He can recruit, and he was at Ohio State, so he has big program experience. The thing is, it's just, you know. It would look really weird, and yeah, yeah. Be, it would be a thing. Because honestly, I'm I'm tapped out for names pretty quickly. Just because, right. I mean, the only other name you could possibly say is was like Brent Venables at Clemson. You make him a head coach. He's not taking it. I don't think he's, he's, I, I don't think he's, he's not. Anything. I don't think he's taking it, but that's that's the name you would at least call. Yes, I would. He, I would call him first just to call, but I wouldn't have ho- hopes about it. But like, I think if you dig for a, you know, a Jamie Chadwell at Coastal, or and it just feels like such a one-hit wonder, and it's sort of like uh, Nebraska hiring Scott uh, Scott Frost, which at least made sense because he was connected. See, I thought that was going to work out, which scares me about these Group of Five hires. Yeah, but I mean that one made sense because he's yeah, from. The problem is Nebraska is just too tough of a job. It's it's not what it was. You can't recruit there. Yeah, you certainly. It's but yeah, it's definitely not kind of in the Big Ten as the way it is now with Ohio State. It's it's brutal. Yeah, I, and you start looking at like who's the number two team elsewhere. I mean, I guess at Ohio State. I mean, in the Big Ten. I mean, long term, it's been Penn State. I mean, James Franklin, I, that doesn't really move my needle that much. No, not really. Hey, Even let's, play like, a little, let's play a little yeah. devil's advocate based upon something you just said, Poser. Okay. W- yeah. Let's say that Nebraska had never moved to the Big Ten. Do you see that program having challenged Oklahoma at some point if they'd remained in the Big 12 or no? No, I, I think. They'd still be where they are now, basically. I think that ship kind of sailed on them. I, I guess they would. I think they'd be in a better place because they could recruit Texas. Mm. But the collapse of the Big Eight really hurt Nebraska. The Big Twelve. It, it's sort of like yeah, you went to the Big Twelve, and Nebraska still at least had a link to Texas because they played all those Texas schools. Right. But then if you're a Texas kid, you know why not just go to Texas? Mm-hmm. Or you know, you know, if I'm leaving the state, I'm going to go to Oklahoma, which is how. You know, Oklahoma, how Oklahoma has existed as a better program in Texas for 100 years is truly mind-boggling. But there you are. Yeah, it's it, it, Texas is a much more fertile – like, that's yeah, that actually doesn't make sense now that you think of it. I, I just think they've gotten 
they've done so well with coaches. And I yeah. Made a difference. Like Bob Stoops, Bob Stoops, I don't think gets enough credit as one of the great head coaches of the modern day. Um, even if he didn't win a national title, what did he? Yeah, he did. His what, oh, second yeah. year, first year. Right. That's like right when he first got there, he won, and then not yeah, since he's then. One of, he's one of the greats. I mean, he is. He's not quite Urban Meyer, but like in terms of the not quite Saban coaches, he's pretty close. I. It's hard to say where he. I would take Stoops over Urban Meyer. I wouldn't be in the long in the long in the long term. Yeah, yeah. I would, term, I would rather have Stoops because I Meyer will win you a national championship and then leave you in a burning wreckage. Right. Well, Stoops will I leave you rather, at least with something that you can then turn into something else. Well, right. I, my one cat. I have a couple counters to that. My first counter would be if I'm, you know, hiring a guy. Yes, I would probably consider differently. But in terms of pure ranking, who was a better head coach? I'd probably put Urban ahead of uh, Stoops. But at the same time, Urban did kind of redeem that by leaving Ohio State in such great shape with Day. Yeah, he did. Like, Ryan Day is – man, that was perfect. But then, again, you know, I don't think it was his fault because I thought the tattoo thing was pretty stupid. But he did get nailed <laughs> nailed at Ohio State as well. Was, was, that, it, wasn't it, was that him? No, 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 that, no that, that was still Tressel. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> He's still the uh, AD at, like, Youngtown State. Yeah, well – Go get Jim Trestle, the guy who hired Bo Pelini to be his head coach. Yeah, if you're Youngstown, that's not a bad hire. Right. Sort of like, sort of like Frank Solich, you know, cranking out eight win seasons at Ohio. <laughs> let's get Jim. Let's get a Jimmy Burrow to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you, you know, as you go short. Once again, we are completely speculating in the future. You know, we're if we're talking a year from now, you know, you're calling up Joe Brady. Oh no, he would. I don't think that'll ever happen. But Joe's not going to come back to college. I, I don't agree. Think, He's I don't not coming th- back. But you call him. I don't think he enjoyed the recruiting aspect of of dealing with the kids. I think he liked coaching them, but I don't He's think. Good at it. But I think he. That's all he wanted to do was to coach. Right. He didn't I agree. Want, he won't have to recruit on top of it. The thing yeah. about Bill Brady is, I think he's just. I think he's just good at everything. Yeah, he's just good. So, yeah, for him, it's just just be happy that it happened is kind of how I view oh, Joe yeah, Brady. No, I, I'm rooting for Joe Brady. I have no – like I, I don't expect him or necessarily want him to come back to college if he doesn't want to. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah, so well, we've run far afield from the question. Yeah, that's okay. But speaking of good, we're going to wrap this up with Vinny Bartles' question. What is the first restaurant you were going to for a dine-in meal post-lockdown? Now, for me, you know, I, I've been going out so because yeah, I live in too. Texas and things are open and, you know, we can go out with 25% capacity and, and find a nice, decent place. So I've been getting my po' boys and my red beans and rice on the regular. I'm good. I haven't been going out. So for us, we'll go to our local place. You know, there's the El Rincon. It's a Mexican place on the square. Uh, we haven't been there. We've done takeout a few times, but we haven't just sat there and It'd be nice to sit there and share a bowl of queso with someone. That'd be a weird feeling. Mm. Yeah, I've been going out a ton because I am immune. So, <laughs> oh. patient zero. 
Yeah, look at that. Like, we, we followed Max Toscano's movements across the country and found wherever he came. Oh, yeah. I would get, uh... Max <laughs> is the super spreader. You know, actually, kind of, I think. Yeah, typhoid Mary over there. Just uh... I didn't, well, I didn't if anyone know from the Center of Disease Control is listening to this, we have a <laughs> patient of interest for you. Is, the problem is we went on vacation and, like, I didn't know I had it mm. because, like, I found out the, I found out on vacation that my dad had tested positive. Oof. So I was like – and then halfway through the vacation, I started coughing, and I was like, oh, my God, I am the worst person in America. Yeah, you're out there just infecting a whole other state. This hey, Dad's like still around. You're all right. Before, this was before we – not before we knew, but, like, right before we knew what to do. And, you know, stay home, social distance. Like, this was actually a week before the term socially distance was in the lexicon. Ugh, so. So, yeah, I, you know, how was I supposed to know? So, yeah, so I'm the only one. I'm going to go to my local Mexican joint. Nothing fancy. I just want to go out and just sit around and have a margarita. And then have someone clean up after me. Oh. <laughs> that's God. the best. God, that's the best. Well, there you go. That's the questions. So, yeah. So, everybody, stay home. Stay safe. And that goes for the football team as well. Stay home. Stay safe. <laughs> we don't need any more games. Stay home. Opt out. Stay safe. <laughs> and with that, go Tigers. Go Tigers.